we are going to be starting, uh, we've got uh, one more week, and then we've got Father's Day, and then we're going to be starting a summer series uh, to help everybody, kind of a faith-building series uh, that's going to be good. But today, uh, I want to challenge you a little bit. I heard a I heard a, a job description for a pastor a few years ago that I just absolutely loved, and, and here's what the guy said who was speaking. He said, it's a pastor's job to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. I thought that was great. It's a pastor's job to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And so I would put the message today in the category of afflict the comfortable a little bit, all right? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to press in on you a little bit today. In this phase journey here, and this is your first time, or maybe you're a brand new Christian, and you're just kind of starting this phase journey, there's going to be all kinds of things in the message that will help you. But I'm kind of specifically talking today to those of us, and I'm including myself in this category, who are kind of lifers, or maybe we're not lifers, but we've been doing this thing a while. We've been following Jesus for a while. We've been Christians for a while. We've been moral uh, conservative uh, people for a while. Like we've been doing the motions of religious activity for a while. I'm going to kind of challenge you a little bit today, kind of press in on you. There's a story in uh, Genesis 12 that we're going to get to in a second. But in Mark chapter 10 is another story about a guy that the Bible calls the rich young ruler. It's one of my favorite stories for a lot of different reasons. But it's in Mark chapter 10. They're not going to put it up on the screen. I just want to read one verse to you. But in Mark chapter 10, rich young ruler walks up to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, he asked this question. He said, what do I need to do, Jesus, in order to have eternal life? What, what is it that I need to do? Give me some instruction. And Jesus says back to him, he says, all you need to do is to obey the commandments. And the rich young ruler says to Jesus, like, he's kind of excited, like, awesome, because I've done that. Like, I've, I've done it. I've obeyed them. That he's saying back to Jesus, like, I, I've been to church, uh, you know, ever since I was a kid. I'm a tither. I don't, you know, do sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, I'm a good person. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, I've, I've read this story a hundred times, and I'd never noticed this phrase. And isn't that so cool about the Bible? Man, if you're not reading the Bible, you need to read it because when you read the Bible, it reads you. And, and what's amazing about the Bible is you can read something you've read a hundred times before and notice something that you've never noticed before. Has that ever happened to you? And, uh, and so this happened to me the other day in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, after, Jesus, after the rich young ruler says to Jesus, I've obeyed all the commandments, Mark 10, 20, uh, 21, looking at the man... Jesus felt genuine love for him. Now, Jesus is about to know really hard. Jesus is about to say something really challenging, but the Bible wants you to know that what he's about to say, he's saying because he feels genuine love for the man. I think that's pretty important because sometimes we can think that if we love someone, that we don't need to be hard on them. We need to take it easy on them. Sometimes because we care about someone, we're tempted to lower the bar instead of raise the bar, right? Like sometimes that we, we think that we should be tough on the people that we don't love as much and easier on the people that we love. But Jesus feels genuine love for this guy, and he's about to say something really hard because he feels genuine love. And he says to him, because he feels genuine love, he says, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the story goes that the guy walks away sad. The rich young ruler walks away sad because he couldn't do it. That Jesus 
had pinpointed this area. The, the point of the story is not that everybody should go sell all your possessions and give to the poor. The point of this story is that because Jesus felt genuine love for this guy, he pinpointed the area of his life that he needed to be most challenged. Does that make sense to everybody? And so today, I'm going to do that. Because I love you and because God loves you, I want to challenge you. And what I'm hoping happens today is that the Holy Spirit challenges you, zooms in, presses in on that area of your life. And it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. I can't tell you exactly what your one area is or what, you know, what, what somebody else's is, but we're going to trust God today as we read this story in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to trust God to just kind of focus in and pinpoint in on the area that we need to be most challenged. So let me right up front just say to you, I want, I want to challenge you to lean in today. Lean in, don't push back. As we start getting on some areas and some topics where you're gonna be like, whoa, I'm, I don't know. Like I wanna encourage you, whatever. Lean in and say to God, God, I want everything you have for me. Whatever it is, I want everything you have for me. And, uh, and I really believe God's gonna do something special today, all right? Now, there is, there is uh, a gap that all of us have in our life. It is the gap between where we are and where we want to be. It's true for all of us in our lives. It doesn't matter who you are. I know the way that God made you and the way that God hardwired you. Where you are is not where you want to be for the rest of your life. That there is this gap. All of us have this gap in our lives between where we are and where we want to be. Now, here's what's awesome is that for some of us in the room, where we are is way better than where we used to be. And is that true for anybody in the room? Like, so I'm not dumping on where we are because for some of us, like, we're not on probation anymore. Come on. Come on. We're not in jail anymore. Like, that's a good start. You know, for some of us anymore, some of us, like, we used to smoke three packs a day. We're smoking one. Like, we're, we're making progress. For some of us in the room, uh, you know, like it's getting better. For some of you, your marriage is not where you want it to be, but it's not where it used to be. Uh, and so where you are is not necessarily awful for some of us in the room. Some of us, were kind of proud of where we are at the moment, but God never lets us stay comfortable where we are. It's just not the way he operates. Like if you think, you know what, I'm gonna give my life to Christ He's going to, you know, help me clean up two or three areas of my life. And then once I figure those out, then, and then for the next 50 years, I'm going to be good. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. That God is always, that God is always, if you say to God, God, I want everything you have for me, God is always going to challenge you not to stay, to not stay where you are. Told me, I just, this is how it works. Some of you, I could hand you the mic. You could preach the sermon for me today. Because some of y'all, like you've told me, I just wish God would leave me alone. I just wish God would leave me alone because every time I think I'm getting to like that comfortable place, I hear God show up. I feel God show up in my life. And I'm like, oh, no, now I got to change something else. I got to give up something else. I got to obey something else. Maybe you felt like that. And the reason that is is because there's always a better place that God is calling us to. Always. And so there's a gap. All of us have this gap in our life between where we are 
and where we want to be. And that gap that we all have, the gap that we all have, is just the, the hard decision, the fearful decision, the difference between where I am and where I want to be, the gap is just the hard decision that I am afraid to make. That's it. That, that is the gap. The difference between where I am and where I want to be, the difference, the gap, is just the hard decision that I am unwilling to make. Let's don't talk spiritual for a second. Let's talk outside of the spiritual realm for a second. Let's talk physical for a second. Let's say that you're somewhere physically. Maybe it's a weight that you want to lose, or maybe it is muscle that you want to gain, or it's fitness or health that you want to have in your life. The gap between where you are and where you want to be is the hard decision to give up Frosted Flakes at 11.30 p.m. Come on, how many nighttime cereal eaters we got in the room? Brotherhood right here, okay? It's the hard decision to wake up and to go to the gym. That's all the gap is. The difference between where you are, you with me, and where you want to be is just the hard decision that you're unwilling to make. We could keep giving lots of examples physically, you know, if we want. It's, sometimes it's hard to say no to the bird. just the hard decision. I had a couple slices yesterday, all right? So, like, it's just the gap between where you are and where you want to be. It's just the hard decision that you need to make. So let's zoom in a little bit spiritually. We're going to get to Genesis 12 in just a second, but I want to lay some foundation for you. Some of you in the room, you're currently right here. This is where you are. And you know, you know that God is calling you here. Like you can see it, taste it, smell it, feel it. You think about it when you lay in bed at night, when you're driving down the road, you daydream about it. Every text you have, it seems like with a friend, it comes up. Every song on the radio makes you think about it. Like you know that God is calling you to more. You, you feel a calling on your life, a purpose on your life, a destination. But based on where you are right now, there are some relationships that you've got to let go of. Now, I'm not, I can't apply that to everybody because I don't know your story, but I know that some of you in the room, you know right now, not because I'm saying it, but because the Holy Spirit is challenging in your life that in order to get from where you are to where you want to go, you've got to make a really hard, painful, excruciating, challenging, uncomfortable decision to let go of some relationships. Maybe they're friendships that you have and you're very comfortable because they don't judge you because y'all do the stupid stuff together, right? And it's hard to let go of those relationships because it's a place you can go and everybody's just dumb together, right? Maybe, maybe it's a relationship that you need to let go of or friendships you need to let go of because God's given you a dream and your friends aren't driven. So misery loves company. So every time you get inspired to change something in your life, they just pull you back down because you know, they want you to run around the pig pen with them. So you, so you, you've got to, you got to have, you got to make a really hard decision. That's the gap to let go of some friendships to get where you want to go. And I've talked to so many of you about it and you say, it's just so hard. Cause how do I tell them? I don't want to sound better than them. They need Jesus too. And so you're struggling because there's a hard decision. Maybe let's change this. You know, it's a romantic relationship. You love them. You know that they're not the spiritual leader that they need to be or the spiritual person they need to be. You may even have babies with them, but you're not married to them. 
And that's a whole separate conversation. But based on where you are and where you know you need to be, there is this really hard, painful, uh, challenging, oh my goodness, decision that you need to make. And it's not because I'm up here talking about it. You've known for a long time. It haunts you. You know. You know. So you got to have a really hard conversation and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta break up with somebody, or you gotta move out, or whatever it is. And you know you need to do it, but you're still where you've been for a while because you're not willing to make the hard conversation. Is everybody following me? We just jumped in deep right at the beginning. Okay, let me give you a couple more examples. Maybe it's uh, getting out of debt. Here's where you are. There's where you know you need to be, but there is this gap of a hard decision that says I can't use my credit cards or I can't, I got to live on a budget or I can't go eat at, uh, you know, Stony River every Friday night or what, nobody, that's just me and the old people. I'm sorry. I, I, like, but you know what I mean? Like, what's a good restaurant? I don't, I have four kids. We don't eat at good restaurants. I don't, but anyway, you know what I mean, right? I can't go buy shopping. I can't go shop, you know, whenever I want. It's a painful hard decision, relatively speaking, wherever you are. For some people, it's very painful. It's where you are, but it's what you got to do to get to where you want to go. For some of you, it's rehab. It's rehab. You have tried everything you know to try. You've tried to fix it in secret. You, you have tried to like be more disciplined. You've tried everything you know to do, but you know where God wants you to be, and you know where you are, and you know, not because I'm saying it, but because you know the only way you're going to get there is to go to rehab. But it's embarrassing, and once you do that, everybody's going to know your junk, be humiliated, and know your situation, and you don't want to be embarrassing, and you embarrassed, and you don't want to be humiliated, and it's a hard decision that you have to make, and you keep putting it off and putting it off, and so you wonder why you're where you've always been or why you're not happy. It's because you're unwilling to make the hard decision. Does that make sense? Some of you, it's starting a business. And, and, and where you are, and you know the business is over there, and you got to take a step of faith, like less income for a couple months, or quitting the job that has the benefits, and I'm not telling you to quit your job, I'm just telling you that some of you in the room, you know it haunts you, and it's a hard decision. We could keep going, example after example. Some of you, it's taking a stand on something moral, something you need to say no to that everybody else is saying yes to. It's a hard decision but it gets you from where you are to where you want to go. You ready? Write this down. Here's like the big point of the message. We're going to give you some more, but this is what you need to hear. You ready? You're one tough decision away from being the person you want to be. You're one tough decision away from where you want to be. One awkward conversation, one hard conversation, one breakup, one getting rid of friends, one FPU class, one, you know, one checking into rehab, one filing a business license. Like you are one hard decision away from being the person that you want to be. So, so I'm gonna, we're going to jump into the Bible story, but I wanted to make sure we were all on the same page. Every person in the room has a gap. Every person in the room has a gap from where you are to where you want to be. And the only thing keeping you where you are is being unwilling to make a hard decision. In Genesis chapter 11, there is a story. It's the chapter before 
uh, we'll pick up in Genesis 12, but in Genesis 11, we find out about Abraham's dad. We, we talk a lot about Abraham around here because he's a big character in the Bible. He has lots of chapters in the Bible, which are summer camp characters. And Abraham, if you're not familiar with the story, Abraham, maybe you grew up in church or summer camp. You sang the song, Father Abraham. God shows up to Abraham and says, I want, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to take you into a promised land. And, and we don't know all the details, but in Genesis chapter 11, God shows up to Abraham's dad. We talked about this a little bit in January during our, our fasting season, but he shows up to Abraham's dad in Genesis chapter 11, and he tells, we, we don't know exactly what he says, but it, it seems to imply that God was asking Abraham's dad to do what he eventually asked Abraham to do in Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 through, the, through 32. I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. It says, This is the story of Terah. Terah was Abraham's dad. All right? Terah had Abram, that's Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. He had three sons. Haran had Lot. Haran died before his father, Terah, in the country of his family, Ur. And, uh, and so Abraham and, and Nahor each got married. Skip down to verse 31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, and set out from Ur for the land of Canaan. That's where Abraham's going. So it seems like, we don't know this for sure, I don't want to get lost in the details, but it seems like that the promise that God had, the destination, the purpose, the promise that God had on Abraham's life, he actually had it on his dad's life because the family's loaded up, headed to the land of Canaan. But, everybody say but. Yep, there's always a but. When they got as far as Haran, this isn't, there's a city with the same name as the dead son. Unconnected, but there was a son named Haran who died. They get to a city with the same name as the son that died. And when they got as far as Haran, they settled down there Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. It seems like, and the Bible doesn't give us the details, so I don't want to take too much liberty, but it seems like Terah, Abraham's dad, was headed to where God wanted him to go, the promised land, the great promise purpose on his life, and it seems like he could not get past the hurt, the wound of his son dying, and so he settled in Haran, and the Bible says 205 years he lived, and he died in Haran. Let me paraphrase that Terah died where he settled. He died where he settled. It's so easy to settle, isn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome if life just naturally, like the current of life just naturally pushed us towards where we want to be in life? Like wouldn't it be awesome if the natural course of life was to lose weight, but you had to eat to make sure you didn't lose too much? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be awesome if you had to convince your boss that you should work more hours? Wouldn't it be awesome if you just naturally were closer to God and that, that sin and life didn't pull you farther away? But life doesn't naturally push us where we want to get to. The current of life goes against us. And we've got to be intentional on purpose to get where we want to go. And all along life, all along from where we are to where we want to be, we have opportunities every day to settle. 
opportunities every day to settle. Here's how I'm defining settling. This is a Jason definition. It's not in the dictionary. I made this up. Here's my definition of settling. Settling is when you say, I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I'm not willing to do what's necessary to to get past where I am. Settling is when you're not where you want to be, but you're not willing to do what's necessary to get past where you are. And every person in this room, every person in this room gets the opportunity every day to settle. But what happened to Tara, you plan to you and me. We usually die where we settle. It's never the plan. We never set out with a 205-year plan, but 205 years later, we die at the place we stopped when we thought we were just going to stop there for a few weeks, a few months, or a few years. You end up dying where you settle. So you turn the page in Genesis 11, you get to Genesis 12. God shows up to, to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 1 and 2, and the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. This is God talking to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and I will, uh, and you will be a blessing to others. So now, after Terah has passed away, or maybe right before he passes away, God shows up to Abraham, and he says, I want you to get up. I want you to leave where you are, and I want you to go to where I'm going to show you, where I want you to be. But Abraham, I need you to leave where you are. Look at what he says. He says, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Here's what I wrote down for me. God almost, God almost never does a new thing in an old place. God almost ever, never does a new thing in an old place. Here's another way to say it, is God usually waits for me to move before he does. Now, can God do whatever he wants regardless of my uh, decisions or indecisions or disobedience? Of course he does, and he probably does it more than we even realize. But let me just give you a few of examples. Because we, here's where we are, and we're praying, and we're hoping, and we're praying, and we're hoping, and we're praying, and we're hoping. God, my marriage is on the rocks. God, my marriage is really struggling. Can you do a miracle, God? Can you change his heart, God? Can you make him want to come to church, God? Can you, whatever, whatever, whatever. God, my marriage is barely hanging on by a thread. God, will you move in our marriage? Can he do it? Yes. He has for others sometimes. But more times than not, God, all of a sudden, you to move towards counseling, And then when you begin to move, all of a sudden, God begins to move in your marriage. So if you and your spouse, if neither one's willing to move an inch, don't be shocked if God doesn't move in the relationship. God, will you please fix my finances? God, will you please, like, put a $50,000 check in the mail to help me get out of this situation that I'm in? Come on. I'll believe for that. That sounds amazing. But usually, he can do it. Listen, God can do it. But usually, he waits on you to move to FPU class. And then when you move, God begins to move. Over and over and over and over again, God seems to always do a new thing in a new place, not a new thing in an old place. And he waits on us to move before he begins to move. And so he shows up to Abraham and he said, I'm going to do something incredible in your life, but I'm not going to do it in the place where your dad settled. I'm going to do it in a new place, and I want you to be a part of it, and so I want you to get up, and I want you to leave your country, your relatives, and your dad. Can you imagine that conversation? 
Dad, I don't know how to tell you this. I know we've been here 200 years, and, you know, I don't even know, you know, what you planned on doing. But listen, I feel like God has spoken to me, and I got to go, and I got to leave you, and you're not going to see us anymore. Like, that's a hard conversation. That, that's a hard decision. But it was the gap between where Abraham was to where he needed to go. And so Abraham leaves his comfort zone. He leaves his land. He leaves his relatives, his family. Significant. He, he left the people who had chosen to settle behind. He left them behind. And God begins to do something incredible in his life. Let me ask you this question. Where are you choosing to settle in your life? Where did you think you would just stop for a few weeks, but now it's been a few years? Where, where, have you, where, where have you decided to compromise, and it was just a little compromise, but now it is your identity? Where have you chosen to settle? Where have you told, maybe it's not all that bad in your mind, but you've just told God, no more. Like, God, I love where I'm at, and I'm so much better in a better place than where I used to be, but no more, God. Stop challenging me. Stop convicting me. Leave me alone. Stop talking to me. I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to break up with them. I'm not going to move out. I'm not going to stop drinking. I'm not going to do it, so leave me alone. Where, where Where have you chosen to stop, to settle? Where have you told God, no more. You flip several chapters over and you get to Genesis chapter 24, and I'm giving you like a semester's worth of college Genesis study here in about 10 minutes, so we're skipping a lot. But you go to Genesis chapter 24, and now uh, Abraham has had a child. The child has gotten older, and he needs a wife. And so Abraham says to his servant, I want you to go to this specific place, and I want you to find a wife for my son Isaac, and I want you to bring her back to him, and they can get married and live here. And in Genesis chapter 24, verse 5, the servant said back to Abraham, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take uh, should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? And I, I tell you this all the time, but, but notice the punctuation when you read the Bible because it says something. Look, look at what Abraham says in verse 6. He doesn't just say no. He says no with an exclamation point. So, so track what's happening here. Abraham is now over here. He's in God's blessing. He's in a new place. And his servant comes and says, hey, if I can't find a wife who's willing to travel all this way, should I take your son and should I go back to the place that you left in order for him to be married? Oh, and it's almost like Abraham interrupts the servant with the exclamation point and says, no, no, no. Like the, the servant's like, okay, I got the instruction, but what if I can't find somebody? Should I? No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Verse 8, he says, if she's unwilling to come back, uh, you're free from the oath. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. He says, be careful. Never take my son there. Like, are you getting how passionate Abraham is about this decision? He says, listen, servant, you have no idea what I had to give up to get here. 
listen, you don't know my dad, but I saw my dad, and he stopped there. He went back to that place you want to take my son 240 years ago, and he never left. He died there. And I, I made the hard decision to pack up and to leave. And they talked about, man, they said, oh, Abraham thinks he's better than everybody else. Like, he's got to leave. And, and all, your, all your family, that you're not going to be here for Sunday lunch when we have Sunday lunch? Like, ev- you're better than everybody else. Abraham's got to go. Like, I went, I went through all the ridicule. I went through all the conversation. My dad told me I was an embarrassment to him and that he was, I was not his son anymore. And, like, I went through all that. And God has been faithful. And here I am. And he finally gave me that son I promised. And I know you don't know all the backstory story, but here's what I'm telling you. Don't you ever take my son back to this place. Ever. Don't ever go. Because there's a chance if he goes back, he'll never leave. And we, we gave up too much and made too many hard decisions and, and worked too hard to waste it all so that my son can go back and be like my dad and end up dying in a place where he settled. Where are you settling? Where are you settling? I, um, I, I mean, I, I could have with people examples. We don't have time to give you all the examples, but I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people. And listen, I'm challenging you today because I genuinely love you. I'm not mad at you. I love you. I want to do anything I can to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and for your life to be better. But I have so many conversations with people who try to rationalize and explain to me why they're going to leave and go backwards in their life. And it's not that big a deal, and don't panic, and it's not, don't, listen, let me give you a couple examples. Some of you in the room, God has done unbelievable things in your life. And it's not just because you attend church, but church has a lot to do with it, and you're not the same person that you used to be. But money's tied or a job presents itself and now you gotta work on Sunday mornings and I, like, there are people who love Jesus who work on Sunday mornings. Don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? But you say something to me like, listen, I, I'm not, like, I'm not, I, I, it's just for a season. I'll figure it out. I'll change the schedule eventually, but I'm not gonna be able to be at church for a little while, but I'll be back. And then 18 months later, You're not back yet. You're not even at that job anymore. But Sunday's the best day to wash your car, and it's the only day you get to sleep in, and you like to do pregame before NF, I don't know, whatever. And and listen, here's what happens. You just get out of the habit. And you don't, listen, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, This is not some religious law or rule, all right? That's not what I'm telling you. But I am telling you that I've never seen it go good for somebody who decided to get out. And it's just just for a season, but I'll be back. And somehow you never make it back. Not because you're a bad person, but you get out of the habit and things aren't the same. Some of you in the room, you got out of incredibly toxic relationships, Like crazy toxic relationships, friendships, romantic relationships. You did it, you cried, you prayed, you cried, you prayed. It took you six months to get up the courage, but you finally did it. You finally broke up. You you finally moved out. And so now six months later, 18 months later, you thought God was going to bless your decision with like Prince Charming with a Bible and the Holy Spirit. 
and you've been to the singles ministry and there's none of them there. And you're like, I don't know what's, what's happening and I'm lonely and I'm impatient. And, and so you'll say this, like, we'll talk about it. And you'll say, listen, like, I'm not, we're not like dating. We're just hanging out. And um, I know that when I broke up, he's in a better place now. And, um, or she's in a better place now. And yeah, they're not all the way there, but I feel like I could be a really good influence on them. And, and um, like, I'm, we're not getting married and this is not even that serious. And we're definitely not moving back in together. And then 18 months later, like, it's just too comfortable to give up on. Are you following what I'm saying? Like, I love you too much to let you stay where you are. And so God brought you all the way to here and you already did all the hard work and had the hard conversation. Like you made it. You made it, but you decided to go back. And it's no big deal, but now you've settled there. Some of you, you, you gave up on the old friendships. You went to rehab or you showed up to the recovery group or whatever it is. We could keep going. Example after example after example. And please hear me, and I've said this a couple of times, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. Once you get past the big commandments, after that, it's all relative, okay? So the Bible says you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So I'm gonna give a couple examples that may not apply to you at all, but some of you, they do apply to you, not because I'm saying it, but because you know the Holy Spirit's telling you. And so some of you in the room, like you, you it's not that you were necessarily an alcoholic because that's an embarrassing label, but like you know you had a problem. And the Bible doesn't say drinking's a sin. It has a lot to say about it and wisdom, but it doesn't say that drinking out sin. And you made the hard decision to give it up. And now you're saying things like, listen, I mean, I'm not like, just when I'm out with my buddies, it's not that big a deal. I don't even drink that much. It's just a glass of wine. And listen, you're going back and it's not that big a deal until it's a big deal. And you settled there. He said, well, that's not fair. Why is it okay for them to drink? And because they got their own thing going with God and you've got your thing. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? The relationship you're in, the decisions that you're making. I mean, I could give you all kinds of gray area examples and I'm not trying to give you a list of rules. I'm just trying to challenge you and ask you, like, where are you settling? Because you know, for some of you, it's as simple as you're watching too much TV. That's not even in the Bible. But you know you're settling. And it haunts you. You know it. Like, you know it. Like, God just, the Holy Spirit will not leave you alone. And the only thing keeping you from where you want to be and the person you know God is calling you to be, the only thing is a hard decision. It's a decision to leave what's comfortable. It's a decision to leave where you're settling. And here's what happens every time you obey. Like it is, it's frightening. It's terrifying. You, you're sure, you don't even know if you're gonna survive the decision, right? And you make the decision, you choose not to settle, you get to where God has you, and whether it's a week later or a month later or a year later or a decade later, you look back at where you used to be and you laugh at yourself. You're like, I can't even believe that I was so worried about ending that relationship, giving that up, quitting that job. 
I can't believe that I, that was such a big deal. I remember I cried myself to sleep. And now here I am on the other side of amazing about God. And, and God is so good and he is so faithful. And here's what's amazing about God. He doesn't let you stay right here comfortable either. Now he's pointing over there. And you're like, but I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And you got to remember what it was like when you moved from here to here and you made the hard decision, the hard conversation, the, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. And God keeps hauling you higher and higher and higher. Why? Because he's mad at you? No, because he's trying to like punish you? No, because he has genuine love for you. And so you're following Jesus, and one day he looks at you and he says, you're awesome, but I want you to go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor because I genuinely love you. And we've got to decide, will we obey or will we settle? Where are you settling today? Where are you settling? What did you used to swear was wrong in your life that now is normal? What did you used to swear you would never do that now you can't imagine not doing? Where in your life have you decided no more, God? I'm comfortable where I am, leave me alone. Where are you settling? One decision, one hard, obedient decision. That's all it takes. Let's pray.